Amen. Show of hands in here. How many of you guys have got kids? Anybody got kids? Parents? Wow. Look around. Hold them up real quick. We've got a lot of kids in here. So this means that you've got a lot of children that are going into school and the busyness is about to kick up. And ultimately, my goal for the next three weeks is to help you get healthy. Because how many of you know when you can get busy, you start to kind of numb the things that distract you in life? So when, when you got some issues, maybe it's financial issues, maybe it's marital issues, um, maybe it's spiritual issues, whatever the issues may be, when this busyness begins to kick in, it's very easily not to deal with the issues and we kind of suppress them. And then we begin to ask ourselves the questions like, man, why don't I want to go to church? Or why don't I really want to have a passionate relationship with Jesus? Or why don't I really want to serve and love my husband? Or why don't I really feel like being a mom or a dad today? And the truth is, It's because we've allowed unhealthy toxins to get into our soul, and without us even knowing it sometimes, it's affecting us. So let me read the definition of detox. This is the definition of detox. Removal of toxic substances from a living organism. Removal of toxic substances from a living organism. I don't know if you know this or not, but as Christians, we're what we call triune beings. Okay, so there's three parts of us. There's a body, there's a soul, and then there's a spirit, right? So sometimes we detox from, you know, maybe you said, man, I've been, I don't know if you've ever done this or tried this before, but when I used to travel on the road a lot, I would just eat fast food real quick. And after about five, six days of eating fast food, like I felt terrible, like absolutely horrible. And then finally, when I would stop eating the fast food and I'd eat something healthy again, I started to feel better because my body was getting all of that fake meat out of my system, right? I don't know if those are even chicken nuggets. I think they are now, actually. Um, But for many of us, when we hear about the word detox, we think about the body, right? We think about, okay, I've been putting stuff in my body and I need to take a break and I need to get it out of my body. But today, I want to talk about a spiritual detox, Are there things right now in your life that are hindering your walk with Jesus? Maybe there's some things that you've allowed into your soul, into your spirit, and it's really hindering you from being able to connect with Jesus. Think about it this way. Maybe a year ago, five years ago, a month ago, or however long ago it was, maybe you had just this intimate connection with God. And then you find yourself at this place today where you're kind of like, man, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to connect with people. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. And the question that I want to answer today is why? Why is it? Because I think a lot of times people just kind of leave ourselves in that place. Well, this is just the way that I feel. I feel like I don't want to connect. I feel like I don't want to. And hopefully today we can get underneath the root of that and discover why that really is. So if you have a Bible... Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And today I want to talk about having a spiritual detox. So everything that we're going to be talking about is going to be talking about how to get ourselves to a place where we can be spiritually healthy. And there's going to be some things in our life, quite frankly, that we have to starve from our life. That we have to completely remove from our life. How many of you guys are like chocolate fanatics? Anybody like you just love chocolate? I mean, how many of you guys have a sweet tooth? You just love sweets. And you tell yourself, okay, for, three to, for a week, I'm not going to eat chocolate. The first day, you're fine. 
The second day, you're fine. The fourth day, you feel like an addict. You're like, oh my God, the chocolate is in the counter. It's in the cabinet. And, if, and then you start trying to hide it different places, hoping you forget where you hide it. And then you start getting really good. You start crawling and looking for the chocolate, right? Because your body is detoxing. It's detoxing. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. So what does the word yoke simply mean? It means a closeness or common fellowship with. So here's what I want to say real quickly about this. The Bible is not saying that you should not have unchristian friends. It's just saying this, that you need to watch how close you get to them. Okay, you need to watch how much time you spend with people that do not have the same values, that do not have the same mindset as you. Uh, we've, we've said it this way a few times, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. A lot of times, if you want to know what you're going to look like five years from now, just look at your friends. And oftentimes, that's the path that you're going to trend down. So obviously, there's no way that you're going to be able to remove yourself from everything toxic in your life, right? Because nowadays, I mean, everywhere you turn, you don't even have to look for something. You just find it. So hopefully the place is to get you just to a, a better place spiritually. So I think the first thing that we've got to learn to do and the first thing that we've got to be cautious with, we've got to be really cautious with the people that we hang around and the people that we give our time and our energy to and how much time we end up investing and spending into them. And he continues in the verse, For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belah? And that's simply another word for Satan. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, here's a better way to say it. God has no desire to live in a church building. He wants to live in you. He has no desire to want to live in a church building. He wants to live in you. And here's the truth. A holy God cannot live in a toxic environment. So if you find yourself struggling and you can't get your mindset out of like, you just can't get it out of the gutter for some reason. You keep thinking about terrible things or your thoughts just keep drifting to things that you know that you shouldn't be thinking about. The first thing that you really need to ask yourself is who are the people that I'm hanging around? Who are the people that I'm investing my time and spending my time with? Let's continue in the verse. As God has said, I will live with them and walk with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. In order for the, this is what it's saying, in order for me to dwell in your temple, you can't be yoked with the world. So if you want to encounter the Spirit of God, the presence of God, if you want to have an intimate relationship with God, then you've got to take care of what you allow into your body, and what you allow into your mind. And and. I've heard it said like a few different times and I've heard the arguments on both sides. You know, some people, they say they can, I can go to a movie and I can watch a certain thing and it doesn't affect me. And that's fine. Maybe it doesn't for some people, but I don't know about you, but if you've ever sat in certain things, and I've shared this before, but whenever I sit in an action movie, and I sit in this action movie, and there's superheroes, and there's all these things. When I leave the movie, I don't know if you're like me, men in here, but when I leave here, like, I want to drive my minivan, like, 120 miles an hour out of the movie, right? 
And I think it's the same way, even when you watch certain things, maybe it's, maybe it's, it's sexuality, maybe it's nudity, maybe it's violence, whatever. If it causes you and it makes you drift somewhere to a place that you shouldn't be, then chances are you have to ask yourself the question, should I be allowing that into my body? Should there be a place in my life where I set up safeguards and I say, hey, listen, maybe some people can indulge in that, but I just can't because of the place that it takes my mind. Because of, maybe it's simply women, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a romance novel. There's nothing wrong with reading that, but maybe every time you read it, you fantasize about something that you shouldn't be fantasizing about. So I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are there things we're allowing into our mind that take us to a different place that cause us to drift? And before we know it, we're in a headspace that we shouldn't be. Let's continue reading. It says, touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, this is a very interesting part in the text. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So notice this in the text. He says, let us purify ourselves. It's one of the only places in the text that it says something along the lines, let us purify ourselves. Let me say it this way. Um, When you got saved, God did all the purifying that you couldn't do. Okay, God made you a new creation. He made you a new person. He saved you from the bondage and the penalty of sin. But then the, the writer of uh, 2 Corinthians even goes further and he says, now if you want to get to a place where you're connected with Jesus, then you've got to learn to purify yourself. Another way to say this would be it's a process of sanctification. So let me put it to you this way. You are as close to God as you want to be at this point in your life right now. And some of us, the reason that we don't have this intimacy, this connection with Jesus is because we're not learning to purify ourselves. We're not allowing the the process of sanctification to take full effect. So God saved you. He made you a new creation. He saved you from the penalty of hell and death. But the reason that you still keep falling into certain things and the reason that you grapple with guilt and shame and all that kind of stuff is because you're still allowing certain things in your mind. You're still setting yourself up for failure. It's, it's, it's like this. I totally, right now, I have a good relationship with Jesus. I have a good relationship with my wife. But for soul factors, just because I know who the devil is and I know who myself is, when I travel and I go places, I don't go by myself. And it's simply because not that I don't trust myself, it's just that I don't trust evil. <laughs> I don't trust sin. If I put myself alone in a certain environment, I know what I could be capable of. So it's asking yourself the question, are there certain parameters and boundaries that I need to put in my life that are affecting my relationship with Jesus? Our level of intimacy with Christ is determined by how much we're willing to detox our lives from the toxins. Psalms 132, I mean 13, 2 says it this way, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? And how long will my enemy triumph over me? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How long am I going to keep doing this? How long am I, am I going to keep falling into this trap? How long am I going to keep wrestling with these thoughts? How long am I going to keep dealing with this pride or this lust or this guilt or this shame? And so here's the thing what, what uh, David is saying. He's asking God, basically saying, I do things that I don't necessarily want to do, but I keep finding myself doing them. Why? 
Why is that? Paul even echoes that in Romans 7 when he says it this way. I have the desire to do what is right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? I have the desire to do what's right. I want to follow God. I want to have a good relationship with Jesus. I want to treat my wife how she should be treated. But I feel like I don't have the ability to carry it out. But here's the good news in Romans 8. Paul's going to give us the antidote. Romans 8, 5, verse 13. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. So if you live according to a sinful nature, your mind is set on sinful desires. So in order to have an effective detox process, the truth is you have to reset your mind. You have to reset your mind. You have to be careful with what you allow in your mind. Then he continues this. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, watch this, you will die. But if you live... but if. If by the Spirit you put to death or you detox the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So ultimately, we explained this a little bit last week. Satan's desire, number one, is to conquer you, to completely take over your life. And so that's why when we have certain things in our life that may cause us to drift a certain way, we don't keep continuing to indulge in them. We have to get to a point where we kill them, where we put them to death. So here's the thing. Here's what I want to do today. I don't want to just talk about getting our mindset right. I don't want to talk about just talk about getting in a better place spiritually. I want to take an entire week, if you're willing to do it with me, I want to take six days where we go on literally a spiritual detox. And, and here's the thing. It's got to move past for many of us just sitting in church, hearing a sermon, and it's got to transition into action. It's got to transition into action. And here's the truth. It's my job as a pastor, hopefully to tell you the truth, and it's your job as a listener to go out and do something about it. And it's the same way, it's the same way in our relationship with Jesus. When you hear from God, he speaks the truth to you, and if all you do is sit with it, you've lost it. And so for many of us, the reason that we don't feel an intimacy with God, for many of us in here, we know the right thing to do. We're just not doing it. Maybe because it's hard, maybe because we're lazy, maybe because we make excuses and we don't have time. I want to encourage you to take six days. I'm going to give you some practical ways that we can do this together. So I want to encourage you real quick. If you've got a phone, if you've got a, a notepad or whatever, just jot some of these down. And we're going to do these together today. And we're going to do these together this week. We'll post some updates on our Facebook page and hopefully that you can follow along with these things. But I don't know if you've, how many of you guys have ever done a fast? Like where you've just done like a, a fast? Um, at the beginning of every year in January, we do 21 days of prayer and we do 21 days of, of fasting. And uh, starting now in August, w- w- what we want to do for the month of August is just do 21 days of prayer. We want to encourage people every single day, set out some time, carve out some time personally as a family um, to pray together. But one of the things... When we fast a few years ago, um, I attempted to give up, and keyword attempted, um, I attempted to give up coffee. (laughs) 
And um, for like, and this was, this was a while back. This was probably about five, five years ago or so. And uh, I was like, man, um, I love coffee. It's something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it up for a while. And day one, honestly, I was okay. Day two, intense migraines begin to set in. Day three, like I was throwing children across the room, okay? Um, I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. But day three, like I felt absolutely terrible. And then by about day four and five, I started to feel good. And then I realized as I was was preparing for this message, thinking back on that, the first three days, the reason I felt so terrible is because my body was detoxing. It was trying to get off of this caffeine. Like, I love, like, if I don't have, I'm kind of those people, if I don't have caffeine, I get a major headache, okay? And so I had the headaches, I had the migraines, I had everything. And then long enough, as long as I starve my body long enough of that caffeine, eventually I came to a place where I didn't need the coffee anymore. I didn't need the caffeine anymore. And that's what I want to encourage you guys to do today as we, before we jump into some of these practical things. The first few days, it's going to be difficult for you. It's going to be hard. You're going to, maybe some of you have never prayed more than a minute or the, the extent of your praying is, God, thank you for this food. Let's eat. You know, that's the extent of it. And maybe some of you have never gone into it before. And I want to encourage you to do it. And maybe the first day, day two, day three, day four, whatever, it may be really difficult. But if you can get past that detoxing process, it's going to get better. And it's going to be something that rather than forcing yourself to do it, you're going to enjoy it. And you're going to love it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's really going to affect the way that you view God. And it's going to affect the way that you connect with Jesus. So let me give you some practical things that we need to do. I want to give you three things that you've got to starve from your life. And then I also want to give you three things that you've got to feed. Because if you know anything about a detox, you've also got to, you've got to starve something from your life, but you've also got to feed your body some nutrients so you can get healthy again. So let me give you the first few things that we've got to starve from our life. And it's probably something that you're not thinking about. Number one, you've got to starve. Remember, this is a spiritual detox. Number one, you've got to starve doubt from your life. You've got to starve doubt. And here's why. Here's why. Doubt is believing what the world thinks about things, and doubt takes us away from God's reality and brings us to earth's reality. Doubt takes us away from what God really says about us, and we believe what other people say about us. Doubt, at the end of the day, is saying, man, I'm banking my assurance and my security on what everybody else says about me. And the question that you've really got to ask yourself is, what does God say about you? You know, it's really easy today in today's culture to doubt, isn't it? Um, All you simply have to do is turn on the TV. (laughs) All you simply have to do is read some articles. I'll, I'll be quite frank and honest with you. I mean, I turn on the TV sometimes, and I read through some articles, and I begin to doubt, and I begin to ask sometimes God the question like, God, are you watching what's going on? Like, are you watching what's going on in the world with bombings and killings and violence and this crazy election? Like, I'm starting to doubt if God is actually looking down and and taking care of us. I begin to doubt if I'm not careful, but truth is I have to learn God's reality. I have to learn that ultimately, at the end of the day, if my bedrock and my foundation is founded on connecting with God, then I'm not going to drift towards that doubt. I'm going to drift towards realizing that God's got it under control regardless of what the circumstances look like in my life. How many of you guys know this? As a, 
as a parent sometimes, and I see this flesh out in my kids all the time, um, the other day, Eli came running into the house, and uh, he said, I, he said, Dad, you need to get outside right now. I'm like, what's, what's wrong, son? He said, Isaac's bleeding everywhere. And so as a parent, you're like, oh my God. So you run outside, and the dude is, if you know anything about Isaac when he gets hurt, he is my one child. I mean, a, a mosquito stings him, and he, like, he panics, okay? He's got a tiny little cut with like a speck of blood, and he is rolling around on the driveway, just screaming, hollering. It is like the end of the world for him. And I run outside. I'm like, What's, where's the blood? Where's the blood? And he's like, right here. I'm like, where? Where? And in Eli's mind, when Isaac had the hoopering and the hollering and he's screaming, he thought it was like it was over, right? And then you walk out there and you see the situation as a parent. And you're like, it's nothing, son. I tell him what my dad used to do. You'll get well before you get married. <laughs> I hate that. My dad always used to tell that to me. And now I find myself telling it to my children. <laughs> but here's the truth. I think... The reason I told you that example is because a lot of times the circumstances that you're probably facing right now, I think God looks down on him and he's like, hey, I got it. And we're like, my son, Isaac, who, oh God, I, you, you realize what's going on? And we're freaking out and we're panicking and we think that God has lost control and he doesn't know what he's doing. And it's because we've given in to doubt. So here's what I want to challenge you to do over the next six days, especially with the issue of doubt. What are the things in your life that cause you to doubt? If you get on Facebook and maybe you read through something and it causes you to doubt the goodness of God because you keep seeing somebody post something about whatever, get off for six days. Man, if you turn on the TV and it causes you to doubt, or if you go and you hang around certain people and it causes you to doubt the goodness and the faithfulness of Jesus, for six days I want to encourage you to completely starve yourself of that. And here's the question. If you're at a place where you've already given in to doubt, what do you already have to lose? (laughs) What do you have to lose? I want to give you six days, six days to starve yourself of this. Proverbs 3, 5 puts it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So here's what we're going to say for the next six days. I will trust what God says about me. I will trust what God says about me. The second thing that I want to encourage you to starve, this will be harder for some of us. Number two, negativity. Negativity. Negativity will completely pollute your spirit. It will ruin your day. How many of you guys just go to work and you have people that no matter what, that glass is always half empty? Anybody know what I'm talking about? No matter what, everything is burning down. It's like they walk outside and it's like, it's so hot out here. I don't know how I'm going to be able to work today. I don't know. You just pick up the hammer and you start working. Like... Everything is negative. For, for, for many of us, we deal with negativity as soon as we get behind a wheel, right? And we get on the road and we get on I-10. <laughs> Everybody's slow. Everybody is ne- ev- nothing, everything that comes out of your mouth is negative. How many of you guys, when you grew up, you watched Winnie the Pooh? Anybody, when you watched Winnie the Pooh, you probably didn't know you were going to come to church this morning. I was going to use an example about Winnie the Pooh. But you ever notice on Winnie the Pooh, if you ever saw it, Tigger and Winnie the Pooh were always the most negative people 
on the face of the earth. Anybody remember that? Any situation that came across, like Winnie the Pooh, he would have all this honey, and he'd have like a ton of honey like in his little house, and he'd look down at himself. He's like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get honey for the next year. And you're just like, you have like a hundred of them right here. But yeah, and he could always find a negative situation out of anything. And the thing that I loved about Tigger in that kind of scene, in that show, is Tigger was always positive. He'd be like, hey, Tigger, can you do this? And he's like, that's what Tiggers do best. And like he always had this amazingly positive attitude. And here's the truth. Some of you, the reason, I'm just going to say it this way. Some of you right now in your life, you look a lot like Tigger, or you look a lot like Winnie the Pooh. You look a lot like that, that negative, everything in your life is just negative. You come out and you can approach a certain situation, and no matter what, you find the negative. And I want to encourage you this. This is why community and people are so important. Get around some people that are positive. Get around some people that can speak life into you. Get around some people that can encourage you and build you up. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's saying this. I will choose to think what God thinks about the situation. I will choose to think what God thinks about the situation. Or maybe you're constantly in an environment where the words that are coming out of people's mouth, it just permeates and it affects you even when you get home. So some of you men, you know this. Maybe you work on a platform. Uh, maybe you work in the oil field. You work with your, some rough, tough, gruff kind of guys. And the words that consistently come out of their mouth kind of shock you, right? And so maybe when you come home, it just affects your attitude when you hear that. Listen to what Ephesians 4.29 says. It says, Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that the words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I want to just encourage you this. Can you try this for six days? Can you try this for six days to try to be positive? And I'll be honest with you, my wife is the positive one in our family. She's the one that is always the half, the glass is half full, and I look at situations and I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do this. <laughs> She's like, well, we'll, we'll do it. So this is, I'm challenging my, myself in this as well. But what could happen in your life if we chose, rather than looking at all the bad and all the negative in the world, but we chose to look at it in a, in a different light and chose to look at it possibly how God would look at it. Number three, the last thing that we've got to start from ourselves is sin. Sin. Anything sinful pollutes our spirit, man. Anything. And here's what sin means. Ultimately, it means to miss the mark. It means to miss the mark. So if you're missing the mark, you've got to ask yourself the question, why? So if we're missing the mark, it means that our mindset is focused on the wrong thing. And we've got to learn to aim better. We're missing the target. God's response to sin is to repent. And this is how we change our direction. Listen, the mark of a Christian life is not perfection. The mark of a Christian life is not a sinless life. It's a life that is marked by repentance. It's a life that is marked by repentance. It's a life by you listening to that conviction that the Holy Spirit sends your way. And you're going to look at some things this week and you're going to realize some doubts in your life. You're going to realize some negative things in your life. You're going to realize some sin habits and some patterns that you've given into. And the the thing that you've got to do to detox yourself from that is you've got to get to a place where you learn to repent from them. You know what repentance is? 
God, I'm sorry. And then you do everything that you can to turn the opposite way and head the other way. And this is what a lot of us do. We say sorry and we keep walking in the, right dire- in the same direction. Repentance is, God, forgive me for this, and we're genuine. I never want to do this again. And then we try to do everything that we can to move the other direction. So we'll say it this way. I will turn to what God wants. Romans 6, 13 says it this way. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. You were dead, but now you have new life. So here's the truth. Those are the things that we've got to start from our life. Doubt, negativity, and sin. So I want, to, I want you to take six days over the next 21 days. This six days we're going to intentionally focus on carving out some time throughout the day to pray, to seek God, however it looks for you. And then saying, God, help me to do everything that I can to starve myself from these things. And these are the things that we're going to replace them with. These are the things that we're going to feed ourselves with. Number one, God's word. Number one, God's word. If we're going to believe what God believes, there's only one place you can find it, the Bible. (laughs) Listen, if you want to believe what God says about you, if you want to be confident in who you are about Jesus, you have to read the Bible. You have to. I want to challenge you over the next six days to carve out some time, sit down, open the Bible, and read it. Listen, we've tried to put together some resources for you just to help you because maybe you open the Bible and you're like, I don't even know where to start. You know, if you're just getting into reading the Bible for the first time, don't start in Genesis. (laughs) Don't. Don't start in Genesis. I would encourage, if you're you're looking for a good book to read, um, a good starting place, read the book of John. Read the book of Ephesians. Um, if, you, if you missed us, um, for the past six weeks over the whole summer, we did a six-week study in the book of Ephesians. We had a devotional for you. We did all the sermons on it. Um, you can go back and listen to all that, read and follow along, and you would get a really good understanding of uh, what Ephesians is about and how it could apply to your life. Start somewhere. Um, they have a really good Bible app called Version. You can download it on your phone, um, and you can even set out like a little plan. And it'll remind you every single day, hey, read this today. And it'll tell you, you don't have to open the Bible and, okay, what am I going to read today and not get anything out of it. Start a plan, a six-day plan of just reading it together. Um, ultimately, the Bible is going to reprogram our minds. Listen, if we've, been, if we've been getting all these toxins in us, if we've been, whether it's a movie, whether it's um, just people that we're hanging around, whether it's life, the stresses of life that we haven't dealt with, The way that you're going to detox, the way that you're going to feed yourself is by the word of God. So I want you to try six days of simply feeding yourself. Because here's the truth, and this may sting a little bit, but this is the harsh reality of it. The reason that so many of us cannot get to an intimate place with Jesus is because we rely on Sunday morning for a meal. And then we have, we forget that we have six days for the rest of the week. Listen, if you're, I'm just going to say it right now. If you're relying on me or my dad or anybody who's up here to feed you and you hope that that meal will last you for seven days, you're kidding yourself. I mean, you, that'd be like you saying, hey, I'm going to give you one meal and that's going to last you the rest of the week. And by the time you got to the next Sunday, you'd be starving, right? You'd be starving. 
And so this is what, ultimately, this is not for us. We don't get any gain in you spending six days for this. We're trying to help you. At the end of the day, we want you to learn to be self-feeders. It's kind of like a moment, like when you have children and you feed them the bite. You're like, come on, open your mouth. You're doing everything you can, like the helicopter, the roller coaster, everything. And then by, by the time they don't finally eat it anymore, you know, you're pinching the cheeks and sticking the spoon in. God wants us to move from that being fed by others to learning to feed ourselves. Being fed by others to learning to feed ourselves. Psalms 1, 1, 2 says it this way. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil men. Instead, they find their joy in obeying the law of the Lord and they study it day and night. They find their joy in reading the word of God and applying it to their life. I want to encourage you over the next six days, and I know it sounds like a broken record, but I just, if, like, if I want you to leave with anything here today is I want you to take six days to do this. Because I really believe, and we're going to talk about some other things next week, and we'll take six, weeks to do, six days to do those as well. I really believe if we make this and we do this intentionally, not only are we going to grow together, but we'll also grow as a church. Number two, the second thing that we've got to learn to feed ourselves is worship. We've got to learn to worship And now, let me explain this word a little bit, because a lot of times people think worship is just, you know, what you see on stage here. Um, And worship can be a lot of things. It's not just singing songs and clapping and all that kind of stuff. Worship is getting to a place and carving out time where you say, God, you know what? I'm going to silence everything else in my life right now. I'm going to take 30 minutes. I'm going to go to a place that I actually enjoy. So men, maybe you just enjoy being out in the fields. Maybe you enjoy being on a tractor. Do you know that that could be worship for you? Maybe you enjoy working out. Maybe you enjoy going to the gym. Maybe you enjoy sitting down and having a cup of coffee with friends. Do you know that could be worship for you? Whatever it is that stirs your affections to want to know Jesus, do that for the next six days. So whether it's getting on a tractor and you get on the tractor and you put the headphones in and you listen to some music that stirs your affections to want to know Jesus, do that. Maybe it may be simple as like creating a playlist on your iPhone with just some songs that you feel like, man, every time I listen to that, I want to know Jesus. Do that. Um, for me, I'm, I'm very... Uh, it's very easy for me to connect with Jesus when I get in the right environment. <laughs> that's like, for me, that's why I love coffee shops. I love good places with good atmosphere or restaurants with good atmosphere. I feel like I get in that place and I can just think, I can read, I can pray, I can do those things. And so for some of us, we all have that place. So wherever that is for you, I want to encourage you for the next six days to take some time to be there, take 30 minutes, 20 minutes, and spend some time there just pursuing and seeking Jesus. Philippians says it this way, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. Isn't that ironic? Maybe you're, you're in a hectic time right now. Maybe you're in a time where it's just stressful. Maybe you're in a time where it's difficult. 
Maybe marriage is rough. Maybe kids are rough. Maybe home life is rough. Maybe the job is rough. Do you want peace in your life? Listen again. Let me read Philippians. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And watch this. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. Listen, the reason that you need this, the reason that you need this detox is because you need the peace of God. I'm telling you, some of you have forgotten how good you could feel spiritually. Some of you have forgotten how good it feels to be connected with Jesus. We've forgotten what that looks like. We've forgotten what that feels like. And we've just got into this routine of just running around, dropping the kids off to school, go to work, eat dinner, come home, watch some TV, go to bed, do it all over again. And that's become our life. And we've forgotten what it looks like and what it feels like to actually connect with the God of the universe. Number three, prayer. I wish wish you would do 21 days, but six would be enough for most of us. Listen, I want to challenge you. For some of you that maybe are more spiritually mature in your walk with Jesus, go for 21. Set aside 21 days where you say every single day, I'm going to pray and I'm going to connect with Jesus regardless of what's going on in my life, and I'm not going to miss a day. And I promise you, when that 21 days is over, your connection and your relation with Jesus is going to be a whole lot different. A whole lot different. Second Chronicles 7.14. Watch this. I love how he uses the word if in here. It says, if my people, if my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves, Praying, seeking my presence, and turning their backs on their wicked lives, I'll be there ready for you. I'll listen from heaven, forgive their sins, and I'll restore their land to health. Listen, God wants to restore you to a healthy place. God wants to graciously come down into your life, detox you from the toxins that you've been holding on to for the summer. And he wants to get you to a place where you can learn to connect with him. You can walk with him. You can have peace in your life. You can be married and actually enjoy it. You can have kids and love them. You can go to your job. And even though it may be a stressful environment, you can be at a place where you're okay. So maybe the prayer is this simple for some of us starting out. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? Some of us need to walk out of these doors this morning and we just need to ask that simple question, God, what do you want me to do to start the detox process? Whether it's prayer, whether it's worship, whether it's God's word, although I think it should be all three of those things. But what should it look like for you? And that's the beauty of it. I'm not here to tell you what that should look like or how that should happen. I don't want to control any aspects of your life. At the end of the day, I want you to hear from God. I want you to hear from God. What does God want you to do in your life right now? 